Victor and Lois are siblings who were both diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder. Lois lives and works in London and Hector is a student living in Vienna. In their weekly podcast, Anxiety Calling, they'll be talking about different aspects of living with generalised anxiety disorder and how they get by in day-to-day life. Welcome to episode 19 of Anxiety Calling. I'm Hector. And I'm Lois. And today we're going to be talking about ADHD, and we've invited a guest to give us some more insights into this. So I'll just let you introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Jacob. I have an ADHD brain. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for coming. We're, we're really happy to to expand on uh, on topics and um yeah, so maybe we'll just start with a sort of question we already announced, like in the in our announcement on Instagram, that um, we'd be talking a bit about um, crossovers with ADHD and um, generalized anxiety disorder. And um, maybe from your perspective, Jacob, you could uh, tell us if there's anything from the top of your mind that you would um, could think of where um, where there are um, similarities or crossovers. Well, I think, I mean, I've been listening to you guys' episodes, obviously, and you do talk a lot about zoning out with Mm -hmm. anxiety and just kind of this feeling of not really being in your body, like the the awareness of what's going on around you, but also like internal states, not really registering right. Mm -hmm. Um, That's definitely something that I think anyone with ADHD can relate to. But there's also, there's a level, I think, of distraction. Uh, I've I've experienced anxiety in my life, so I feel like I'm not speaking completely out of turn if I, you know, (laughs) make statements about anxiety. But please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think there's a a level of distraction that that comes along with anxiety that has different root cause than in ADHD. Mm. But just in general, the, the symptoms of both disorders can be quite similar and it can be difficult from what I've heard to properly diagnose in in between them, which is made harder by the fact that people with ADHD often develop other mental disorders and uh, anxiety is actually the most common. So about 50%, one in two people with ADHD also develop or how did yeah, you, sure. yeah. if I might if I ask, if I, how did you get your, your, maybe you could tell us how you got your diagnosis, if, if it's okay to, to yeah, talk sure, about, sure. and, um, and maybe, maybe go into a little bit what ADHD is, is for you and in general, maybe so the listeners uh, sort of get an idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, I got my diagnosis, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually not entirely sure anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was around end of 2017 beginning of 2018 something like that and for me I didn't seek out I sought out psychotherapy but it wasn't for any of the typical ADHD reasons I had kind of bouts of depression that just kept uh, coming and going and I had some of those 
which I thought were typical depression symptoms like lack of motivation and just not really wanting to do anything and, and just feeling kind of, I don't know, just unable to pay attention to the things in my life that I felt I wanted to pay attention to, but also put in the time and energy to, to succeed in those areas. Mm -hmm. uh, also anxiety, as I said, uh, some panic attacks here and there. Um, so I went to therapy and my therapist eventually it took a while, but she kind of connected the dots and got me a referral to see a psychiatrist. Um, and then I did the, the ADHD screening, mm -hmm. which is basically some, some self-assessment tests, some, uh, kind of basically look in your past, um, how your childhood, uh, you know, if you had these symptoms in your childhood as well, how they presented themselves. And, uh, yeah, that's basically when I finally then got the, the real diagnosis, but for me, it took at least another year, almost up until now. Um, it's been a few months now that I've actually felt like this diagnosis is me, that I can relate to it and kind of accept it mm. because it, it is a difficult one to accept. I find that you have this disorder, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I, I can, I can really um, feel that. Um, I think when I got my diagnosis and sort of realized, okay, these things that are happening or having an influence on my day-to-day -day life, or or making it sometimes um, difficult to function in the way that is often expected from the society that we are in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I really feel that sort of that feeling of, 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 you know, getting used to that, that thing and sort of accepting it also, I was, I think I was quite angry. I don't know if you were angry or, or upset about it as well. Um, but I, I, I can, I can understand that. Did you have a feeling of hindsight once you had accepted your diagnosis that as you learned about you know, the, the symptoms of your diagnosis and kind of how it, how it works that suddenly in hindsight, you thought, Oh God, of course. I mean, how could yeah, I not see I this? Think, I think both of us, I mean, Lois, I mean, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, Absolutely. Like going suddenly, way back, you know, suddenly so much made sense. And I think that I wasn't aware of how much it had impacted my entire life until I was diagnosed and until I really understood because like you can get diagnosed and you're told okay so you have an anxiety disorder or you have depression you have ADHD right. but you don't actually know what that means exactly you know you, you know okay you have it and but then when you really delve into it which I would I mean on the one hand you know delving into stuff can be quite scary but I do personally I would recommend it like to just really understand it like you have to also do some of your own research you know as I think all three of us have kind of um found um and once I did that and I kind of knew a lot a lot of what I learned was actually through Hector because Hector had done so much um reading up on it and everything and so I did then he shared you know stuff with me that was useful and then as as I became more acquainted with the illness itself so much of my life made sense to me actually so much so many things that 
so many things I had trouble with, especially as a child, and so many things that I found difficult to understand, and also just realizing that that wasn't actually normal, you know, right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or, because you don't uh, know any better. If that's how you grew up. You think, okay, well, this is, I guess this is, this is what life is like. And this then is, we realize. This is existence. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You think that's what it is. And then when you realize that, and then it, that realization of like, oh, that's it's not like when what you, life is It's like when you, when, when you first start visiting friends at home and you realize that not everybody eats the same kind of food at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. When I realized we went to a, like, when I, I didn't, I thought all schools were the same. I didn't realize that we went, that the school we went to was like a special school. (laughs) I thought Mm. everyone did Eurythmics, you know, and painted all the time. I didn't Mm. realize that that wasn't normal, you know? Disclaimer, in a world where mental illness is a hot topic, two siblings who are not mental health professionals are trying to raise awareness and help end the stigma of mental illness with a podcast. Are they heroes? Maybe. We may never know. But what we do know is that they are not mental health professionals and any advice and information given in this podcast is based on their personal experiences and it's meant to raise awareness and help end the stigma of mental illness. Did we mention they are not mental health professionals? Thank you for listening. This message was brought to you by the good of humanity aka jib the disclaimer dude aka jared roland yeah i don't know about you guys but for me it definitely also took away i mean as i said i had i had this these depressive symptoms and this anxiety but i never stuck for full diagnosis i never met all the the official criteria for those but if looking back i think those uh, very pleasurable uh things in my life um were kind of the result of all the the shame and the the guilt and all of that stuff that came from as i think you said hector not being able to live up to the standards that i felt yeah were, yeah. were normal and never really understanding why and just assuming well i'm lazy i i I don't know I'm stupid whatever and yeah, yeah yeah but do you have like an example off the top of your head or an anecdote where you would say okay this this sort of shows how it impacts day-to-day situations or, or life where I don't know I mean like I said so people who know me for example and they know what's going on when I'm having strong anxiety or panic then they know what's going on but people that don't know me so well then it's of course much harder for them to understand of course I don't know, public situations, whatever, but um, or situations where there are these expectations. But I mean, would you say you you have examples where you you realize that, where you notice that it's um taking an influence on on it? Definitely, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest one for me that's kind of still the one I'm working on the hardest because uh, the ADHD diagnosis is kind of a. Uh, a nice starting point, but you, you just have to keep working on it mm. for the rest of your life, really. Um, the, the the area where it really became most visible to me was my studies. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is just my experience, and uh, I know some people who who have ADHD and they actually are successful in their studies, which I hugely admire. But for me personally. Um, I, I like in hindsight, I would say the the model just didn't work for me. The system mm. didn't work for me. Um, 
what I mean by that is I didn't have any obvious signs of ADHD in, in school at all. I, I was a good student. I wasn't hyperactive, which you don't necessarily have to be to, to qualify for ADHD. Uh, but I, I didn't really struggle at, at school very much. But as soon as I went to university, it was just a, a catastrophe <laughs> uh, because suddenly all those external kind of motivations to, you know, be in class because the teacher knows you and will write you up if you're not there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, regular tests, some of them announced, some unannounced all of the stuff that even the, the the class group that kind of cares if you're there or not to some degree all of that was gone and suddenly i was in these lecture halls and seminars we're sure you, you know a few people and you know i i had a few friends here and there you know in whatever class i was going to but as a whole no one cares if you're there like yeah. there's no your your lecturers don't miss you <laughs> and uh it's really you have to be really internally motivated or build some sort of system where people keep you in 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 line so to speak and that just didn't happen for me so what happened was i, I you know I, I would start a university study course with all the motivation in the world and every intention to to do well and to do it and then just would fizzle out and not knowing any better i would think oh i'm just not passionate enough about the subject you know because i don't have any motivation to mm. attend class so it must be the study subject so long story short i i've i think i've lost count to be honest but i think i've had five different majors or something wow and uh yeah for a long time i just thought what is wrong with me you know like why can't i get this done why why can't i just be like everyone else and just go to the lectures learn my stuff and be done with it but now i know this is quite typical for people with adhd so that was a, a nice experience to not have to feel all that guilt and all that yeah just just uh shame whatever you want to call it mm. yeah i think that's it's interesting that um that it didn't really come out in school and i i guess it's because school is a lot more rigid in that sense and that's something that you don't have as much freedom as you do in studies because you know that for one thing there's schulpflicht so like legally yeah. you have to attend school until the police at least... will show up if you don't yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly the police will show up at your house if you don't go to school at least until grade 10 so for 10 years you have to do school anyway like there's no you don't really have any other option and then of course there is you know like within the system in germany the qualifications that you have are also important so I can I think that, that actually really resonated with me what you were saying just like the rigidity of the school system and just like that kind of meant that you went undetected for so long because you had to attend classes so you did it like you did what you had to do because you were kind exactly. of forced to and there was some there was like um also so much structure in school you know you it's a very structured day whereas when it comes to university you have to structure your own day you have to choose the course you're going to do you have to choose the classes with the professors and so on and so forth and then you, it's also, it's no one can fail you for not showing up either. They, 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 <sighs> they threatened to every, every single professor I ever had at university threatened that they would fail me if I didn't show up for class, but they legally couldn't. So I just never showed up. Mm. And um, that's the thing. It's like, it really is up to you 
to kind of do it and so I think I can I can really relate to that that it was like at school it was kind of easier than at university because it's it's all your responsibility and also I think there's I think we when we talked about this before this sort of like this thing of this uh, somewhat um a feeling of relief in quitting oh definitely I'm an expert on that <laughs> <laughs> like it's like some of the best like some of the most freeing moments are when you're like I quit I'm never gonna go back to this to this class ever again I'm going to switch my subject and just start afresh and every time it's like okay this is the one for sure yeah I, I can relate to that I mean it's uh to to just bounce off of one thing you said there with the, with the rigidity and structure one thing that I just re recently noticed that I also think is uh, a big part for why it did not work out for me with with uni so far, I mean, maybe it will in the future, was also just the timing of it. I mean, in school, you have your 45-minute segments of class, and then mm. there's some some new activity going on. Maybe you, you move, you go somewhere else, mm. uh, or there's a new teacher, but it's rather comp compact, kind of, the, the lessons. And in, in uni, my biggest kryptonite was just the, the half hour of nothingness between the lectures, where... Mm yeah just the the willpower to not go home or do something else or yeah, yeah. That, that didn't help me at all and I also didn't... lectures are so long they're like 90 minutes long oh, and you're God, stuck yeah. there and if you have a lecture it's so boring mm. that's so hard and you know you have to do it every week and every week you dread it because you know you're going to be so bored i mean i don't know how it is for you for, for you for you i mean lois you're not at university you weren't at university during lockdown uh, Jacob, no, you're, you're still studying or you've, you've finished? Uh... Yes, yes, okay. officer. I'm still okay. <laughs> definitely studying and yeah, I'm totally also... <laughs> enrolled and definitely an active student. Okay, well, the same, same is for me, right? And the thing is, so I find it really hard, really hard to, to do. So I find sometimes at university I found it hard. And I, I mean, I don't, at least I don't have a diagnosis of ADHD. But um, I find it so much harder when everything's online um, to, to stick with it. And I just, I'm, I'm just dropping out of courses left, right and center right now, because I just, I find it so much harder. Is, would you, would you say that for you, it's easier now with the lockdown and zoom or is it even harder? Well, I have the, the, the privilege of experience that I try to study psychology doing mm -hmm. a kind of a remote study. Okay. And um I mean, it was a worthwhile experiment because, you know, if, if your experience as the physical university doesn't work, try online. Um, but it crashed and burned even worse than <laughs> yeah, and, the real yeah. university. And it, it makes sense to me now, knowing now what I know about ADHD, because your external environment is incredibly important if you have mm. ADHD. So any kind of external system, people new you know different building anything you can use to kind of differentiate your your leisure time and studying and to get you in that mindset and to kind of pressure you into doing what you have to do is helpful so as soon as i didn't have to go anywhere anymore and it was just like on my computer and i have the choice between i don't know netflix and studies as as cliche as it sounds uh it just went horribly yeah we, we the last three i mean we're almost i'm almost, almost into my third semester in lockdown 
No, it's starting now. Yeah, this is. I think this is the third. Yeah, obviously the third semester. Not I just, I just can't. I just really. I find it so difficult. I just and even I. So I. I, I force myself to do one course per semester, which I have to do. I have enough ECTS to not do more, but I force myself to do one. But even that one, I find myself. I just. I just sometimes forget that I have it. I just don't turn up, or if I do turn up, then at some point, I somehow. I don't know. I zone out. Turn off my camera clean something go to the shops i don't know it's like <laughs> it's really actually the more i think about it now that we start now we've got into this subject the weirder i realize how or how how undisciplined i've become and and i yeah I, I think definitely i mean hearing it from your perspective makes it even more clear that um that the setting does make a huge difference and um yeah it's 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 a catastrophe right now for me i just you know yeah, know. but I, I wouldn't be so hard on yourself because uh, the kind of realization I think most people with ADHD have, which is actually kind of a helpful one, is that uh, motivation isn't, or well, that's, that's motivation is a difficult one, but self-regulation that kind of factors into motivation. So controlling your emotions kind of self-soothing that kind of stuff all these they're called executive brain functions mm. they're not learned they're just a, your genetic kind of uh, set of cards that you dealt and uh, people who you know didn't get the big the greatest draw uh, from their parents they just kind of have to deal with that and mm. then it's all about building systems that get you as far as possible with those you know those tools that you have and that's kind of where i'm at right now but definitely i mean i definitely understand the feeling of just not yeah not getting that motivation mm. but it's just it's a it's a it's a matter of brain chemistry if, if you know if you don't have that sweet dopamine you're just not going to be motivated it's just, just kind of how it works mm. i think it probably applies for work as well i mean yeah definitely how how would you say that? Because I'm, I'm I'd be interested to hear your guys' take on this. So working from home, I, I you mean in that right? Hector? Oh right, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So is... well, actually, to be fair, when I was at the office, I was also like, I mean, right now it's not problem because I'm unemployed. But when I was employed, when I was still had to go to the office, there was it was kind of like because the, my team wasn't based in London, and the people that I worked with didn't really sort of necessarily notice if I was there or not I spent way too I spent a lot of time in home office because it kind of didn't matter I was sort of remote anyway because my team was based in a different city so I spent a lot of time working from home because I couldn't I found it so hard to get to the office because of for anxiety reasons I think a lot of it was because of the the commute but then when when we were then full-time working from home it was, it is, it's difficult because you have meetings and we had a meeting every morning, right? And I'm not even kidding. Like every morning at half past nine, we had a meeting and I would wake up five minutes before that. Right, yeah. And I would jump on the meeting. We didn't have to have our cameras on. So I basically like doze through the meeting, then say my part when it was my turn and then turn it off. And sometimes, and like I had tasks that I had to do, but I knew the deadlines and I would, I would tie, I would always manage my, I never missed my deadlines like, because the pressure was too high to hit them. But one big problem that I have is I can, I never give something in earlier than I absolutely have to. 
and it was oh, the same wow. at university. <laughs> it was exactly the same university. I had a deadline for my for my house arbeit, and it would be the same for all three. So all three of my semester essays that I had to do, or however many, it didn't matter how many it was, it could have been 10. If they all had to be handed in on the same day, I would do them all the day before. <laughs> and it didn't matter how many I had to do and how stupid that was and how bad the time management was. I would always make it just before the deadline. And I have the same issue with work is that I'm like, I always like obviously structure my, the, the tasks that I have to do based on when the deadline is. So the one with the closest deadline is the one I do first. But it's very rare for me to hand something in before, or like much earlier than the deadline, even though I could easily write the article that needs writing a week in advance. I yeah, don't yeah. do it because I just don't do it. And so that has been a, during lockdown in particular, it's been a big issue because like when I was in the office, like I had, I mean, there was no other reason for me to be in the office than to do work as it were. So obviously if I, if, even if my deadline wasn't until next week, I would just do it when I was in the office. Mm. And so then well, I would hand things in early, but then when working from home, it was like, okay, the deadline's tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow. You know? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of maybe a good point to, to bring this up because I think it's one of the, the great things about ADHD and also kind of the one that makes it slightly under, misunderstood. Um, like just talking to you guys, obviously all people experience ADHD type symptoms um and i think that's what kind of makes it so so nice to have in comparison i mean it's not all that great to be honest but uh in comparison to some of the kind of less relatable afflictions that you can have because everyone kind of can relate to what you're going through um maybe there's some misunderstanding because they don't quite get how how debilitating it is for you how dysfunctional your set of symptoms is and how you struggle with it but i think that's my favorite thing about it that i can talk to people and and find some kind of uh shared experience there um but about what you said with the with the deadlines i mean it makes total sense because there's two different neurotransmitters like the chemicals in your brain essentially that communicate between neurons that I deal with in my life more than most uh, it's norepinephrine and dopamine mm -hmm. and uh, dopamine is kind of the it basically it, it kind of prioritizes things so it, it kind of mediates how important certain things seem to you uh, also is a big factor in addiction so it's also often called the desire molecule. I don't know if I agree with that name, but it's uh, one way to, to see it. And uh, the other one, norepinephrine, is one that kind of, well, both of these are me medications. So, mm -hmm. uh, but, or better, medications increase the concentration of these in, in the brain for ADHD people. And norepinephrine is the neurotransmitter that kind of mediates stress and uh, kind of mental kind of arousal and also like the kind of fight and flight response. So if you have, you know, if, if on the spectrum of absolutely not ADHD to more ADHD, you're more towards the higher end. 
and anyone who thinks, hey, this all sounds really familiar, like go get a diagnosis or try to, I mean, it's worth it. Um, <laughs> if you are more towards that higher end, basically what you're doing if you procrastinate to the deadline is you you self-medicate with norepinephrine. You, you wait for the stress yeah, exactly. to help you do what you need to get done. And it works. I did it for a long time. Uh, until it became so dysfunctional that not even that would get me to do it and I just would not do it and see there you know when you don't do it at all your stress drops and you you know it's the quitting thing where yeah and then there's that relief right but uh yeah I mean it makes total sense and I, I can definitely relate to that thank you because like I that was something that was so it was very it was like I was I was used to say about myself, I'm such a terrible, I'm a, I'm a terrible student because I don't, and like sometimes I feel so guilty, especially about work when I'm like, I should be writing this article right now. And instead I'm watching a YouTube video. Why am I doing this to myself exactly? But I also know once the stress kicks in, because I know the deadlines today, I get it done very quickly, very efficiently. And it's, and it's good. And then I send it in and then it, I mean, I've never had someone like I've never had a boss say like this is the most terrible thing I've ever read Lois like that's never happened to me it's usually been fine and they were like okay may, they might have a few tweaks but overall it was it's always been fine but if I'm being honest I sometimes wish that I would be the kind of person who would be like oh you know this is due next week I'm gonna do it today you know you, you knew pe- I mean everyone knew people at school people who were like that. that you know they had you had a, you had a, you had a, you had an essay you had to write by the end of the month and yet they handed it in early and you just sit there like you piece of shit you know it's like <laughs> why 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 can't I do it like why is it something that is hard but I also I also just know myself and it's like and I so I always know okay well I'm gonna start when I know that I have to hand it in it's then just always really depressing when you get to the point where, okay, there's no turning back now. And I, now I'm going to spend the next couple of days only writing these essays and I'm going to have a really nasty time doing it. And I'm going to wish, and I'm going to hate myself the entire time. And then I'm going to hand it in. I'm going to think about quitting about 10 times and I might hand it in just in time or I usually do, but I don't know. As I always thought, especially while studying and also like sometimes while working, it's like, there must be another way of living, you know? Oh, I mean, I know, I know that feeling definitely. Yeah. Yes, gosh. Oh, I'm feeling like... stressed just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder well, what it'd feel like if you had some. There must be people who have lives without deadlines, mustn't there? <laughs> very, very well. I mean, the people. very last deadline is when you die, I suppose. Yeah. Wow, it's getting That's... very deep now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not sure if I can go to that corner today. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, there must be people who don't don't have deadlines, must there? I guess. I mean, but even, I mean, everyone has some kind of deadline. Even if you live, I feel like a... my whole life is rushing from one deadline to the next. Since exactly, the, that's exactly since what I, it's like. Since I went to school, so the last well, how old was I? Since the age of seven, I've, my life has been deadlines. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I mean, deadlines get a bad rap. Like, let me be the devil's advocate for deadlines. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of deadlines. Uh, I've become one. I used to hate them, but I, I, anything I try to get done nowadays, I try to set some kind of deadline, even if it's just an arbitrary like timer, half an hour. Um, it's I guess it's 
not a, it's not a conventional deadline because you know if I if I say okay I'll sit down for half an hour and do this and I can't leave this chair until this time of, mm. you know rings. Are you, are you strict with yourself? I mean I think I'm too kind to myself sometimes. Yeah, I'm way too kind to myself. Like. No. <laughs> It's, that's a. I think that's a more kind of a deeper question than maybe you realized because it's a, it's kind of for me the main paradox or conundrum, whatever you want to call it, with ADHD because you have to you have to own it and you have to kind of take care of yourself and and that doesn't come easy for me personally just to implement all these rules and structures and systems uh, that some part of me just despises, but I know without them, I'm completely just helpless. I won't get anything done ever. Mm. Um, and then on the other hand, also being kind to myself and saying, well, you know, you, you didn't manage this thing that you said you were going to do, but it's to be expected. And you need to, you know, work on your systems, work on your kind of management, time management skills, organizational skills, and kind of place the blame there, not on yourself. But mm -hmm. I feel like I've been to both of those extremes where I didn't blame myself or, or uh, you know, go go hard. I wasn't hard enough on myself, and I just said, "Well, it's ADHD, you know, like uh, mm. I can't, uh, I can't do these things." And on the other hand, being kind of destroying myself mentally because I couldn't do those things. And it's it's a very strange balancing act that you have to do where you give yourself some kindness, but also kick yourself in the ass. Like, yeah, I guess the strictness is kind of like it's a, it's a, a coping mechanism or like a survival technique, basically. Yeah, probably. I mean, one thing I was thinking about when you were talking about stress uh, work and, and stuff like that, I always found it interesting in, in my case that I, I mean, in better times, not right now, um, work at a bar and in that environment, I, I don't have any noticeable ADHD symptoms mm. just, but, but where I see colleagues of mine kind of being chatty and kind of friendly and just in a good mood, like just cruising. I every single time, I mean, I've done this for two years now, every single time I go in, my stress and my anxiety levels just go way up. Mm. Um, because my body is just doing its thing to help me concentrate. It's just saying, okay, you need to focus now, get ready. Here's all the stress hormone that you can, <laughs> you can <laughs> handle. And now let's, let's do this. Um, yeah, I yeah. think, I think I, I know what you mean, like, especially working in service that um, I, because I was working as a waitress um, when I first came here and also in uh, Germany, I remember I was a barista for a while there. And that's a very, it is actually a really high stress environment working in service. And so, yeah, you're right. There is like a, an, a there is a, this, this incredible level of concentration actually that goes on there while you're working and because it is a very high it is a high stress environment and like I, I know what you mean I remember watching like colleagues being like I don't know we've talked about this before on the podcast Hector I think when we were like people just didn't really give a crap because it was just like a minimum wage like service job and they didn't really care and we took our jobs so seriously 
and like wanted to and just like much too seriously sometimes yeah and I, I think I, I think I know what you mean um with that like when the bar especially in the bar sort of situation I feel like that is it is a high stress environment for people I think with anxiety or with ADHD it's sort of one of those things but it also means you do a really fucking good job yeah I, th- I think that's true and uh I don't know if, if this is relatable to you guys but I'd just like to know um when I whenever I do that work as someone with you know, attention deficit disorder. So that's, you know, that's, that's in the name. That's what what you're buying. Um, I have trouble in that environment, losing the focus in the sense that I, I I need to get rid of the focus actively all the time and, you know, get it more into like the bigger picture, literally. So an example, maybe like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on, uh, uh, you know, table duty, I'm um, bringing out drinks and stuff like that. I Part of the reason why I would be really stressed out most of the time was because if I wasn't stressed, the kind of background level of, of kind of stress and needing to be focused would take me, would lead me to hyper-focus on the things that I had to do mm. immediately. And I would just not see people who are obviously trying to get my attention you know mm. very oh, yeah. very in very obvious ways and uh, I would kind of have to do this weird like mindfulness exercise almost where every single time I, I was standing somewhere and noticed my attention kind of zooming in on something and not letting go to pull back and kind of be like okay I'm in the spa right now what are you seeing are people waving you know what's good what's really happening right now so it's weird how like in some settings there's no focus or no no ability to stay with one thing you know for longer than a few minutes and then in another setting it's the opposite problem i can't zoom out i'm just stuck in uh 10 times magnification or something I think I think I know what you mean. Yeah, I, like, especially with the like in the waitressing context of like you're so focused because like, like um oftentimes you'll have like an area that's assigned to you, right? But sometimes people from other areas want your attention because their waitress or waiter is busy. And so what would often happen with me is like I was so focused on my area that whenever I was walking past a different area and someone was trying to get my attention, like I would it, sometimes I just didn't see it, even if they were shouting at me, I didn't yeah. notice, which is really embarrassing. But I think another problem for me in that regard is because I'm so I'm maybe hyper attentive to my customers. And so like I'll come to a table a billion times. I'm that waitress who comes and ruins romantic moments because I come and ask if they want the dessert. <laughs> ruins the joke. Literally, I've like I remember coming to a table and there was like this, I don't know what was happening, but it was like a highly emotional moment and they were like both weeping and I came to the table like, does anyone want dessert? Yeah. <laughs> it was really embarrassing when I realized what was happening, but I didn't notice when I did. To be fair to myself, I didn't notice they were both crying when I came up with the dessert menu. But that's the kind of like I was hyper attentive to the guests, I guess. I think something that might play in there as well, which is another one of these very, in my mind, very nice overlaps between ADHD and, and anxiety, at least in how the symptoms present, maybe not the, the root cause, is. Uh, I would assume that with anxiety, you're concerned about, you know, other people's experience, for example, as a, as a mm. waiter or waitress and, you know, what they, you don't want them to be angry or, or 
be waiting for service for too long so you make those extra trips yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a thing in, in ADHD which is not part of the official diagnostic criteria but everyone I've talked to who experiences ADHD has mentioned this or, or talked about this in some way it's a, a rejection sensitive dysphoria uh, kind of ties in with emotional regulation mm-hmm. so you, you just You've, you've experienced the same emotions as everyone else, but you're you're not good at kind of self-soothing behaviors or mm. even even rationally kind of putting an emotion in its place for the lack of a better phrase. Just being being factual about the emotion and what's going on. So I don't know, maybe some customer, if we stay on an example, some customer uh, from the table gave you a look, just mm-hmm. neutral. Uh, my mind, if I'm in one of these situations, would be going to go into this weird loop of, oh my God, he, he looked at me. And then I would go see if I missed you know, anything. Did I bring, not bring a drink or how long have they been waiting? Whatever. And I can't stop thinking about that. And it's the, the first emotion is rational because you know it's, it's a sensible thought to have someone's mm-hmm. looking at you to be like yeah maybe they want something mm-hmm. but the kind of inability to let go of that or oh, to God, place yeah. it and just that spiral of, of <laughs> worrying about it uh, i think is the common in, in, in both uh disorders or whatever you want to call it um i think what's so hard to kind of accept is that sometimes people are just not going to like you and there's nothing you can do about it and especially people who don't know you right so like if you're working as a waiter or waitress sometimes people just decide they don't like you and there's nothing that you actually did necessarily but sometimes they just don't like you and that's something that I found deeply hurtful oh yes yeah I was sometimes just even though I thought I'd done everything that I that I had to do and I did everything they wanted but they just simply didn't like me and I remember like one person like telling a different way one of my colleagues that I'd ruined the whole experience oh god and I hadn't all I'd done like she'd ordered something that was seared I brought it to her she said it's raw in the middle I said it's um it's seared <laughs> and I asked the kitchen and they were like that's what it's supposed to be like and I was like okay well um the thing is like it's a seared it's a seared tuna Thing or whatever and she was like you didn't ask me how I wanted it done and I was like it says seared in the menu <laughs> and I wasn't rude or anything and I said well how would you like it done I'll get it I'll get the kitchen to do it exactly the way you want it and I rushed upstairs and I got them to do I did everything that she wanted me to do she refused to eat it and then when the colleague came along and said and asked her how everything was she said that I had ruined her entire experience and then she got a free meal out of it and then she didn't eat like and then she said goodbye to everyone and just walked past me and ignored me and like I literally didn't do anything and she was just obviously just having a miserable day or whatever and it had nothing to do with me but I like I was so upset by this experience all day and it was like and that happened like all the time sometimes people would just simply be rude to me or didn't like me and it wasn't really anything in particular that I'd done um but I did I yeah it's hard not to take it personally I find and you kind of think about it like and overanalyze it to like I had I just have to say something I just thought of I had had a great colleague I've forgotten what the job was but okay, so she was so she was a very optimistic, positive sort of person in general, which made it easier. <laughs> but um, she she was of the opinion, and I tried to adopt this in a way. But what she said so with 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 customers who who want to hate you, you just 
just let them hate you and 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 so see as part of the service, you know, that you're doing them a favor. <laughs> that they can hate you and that you made their day by letting them letting them hate you, let them letting them vent on you and you know it's you know like like a sort of reverse dominatrix thing, you know. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's a very Buddhist perspective. Yeah, it she is. Was, I'm so impressed. So she, she was super she was super chilled and super um very calm and sort of you know I infuriatingly calm <laughs> and relaxed about everything because you know I would sometimes I mean if I got into if I my problem used to be that if I did I did you know if I did get into fights with customers whatever job it was like sometimes I could sometimes I could get into it and sort of enjoy venting myself <laughs> my grievances in this situation was sort of, there were days I'd go to the I worked also and I worked in a, in a in a techno club in Vienna which was it was I was desperate for money and it was <clears throat> thing was I just the shifts were from 9 p.m. until 7, 8 a.m. And and really aggressive acid techno music all night and very drunk customers. And sometimes if I was, you know, upset about something <laughs> in my private life, I could go to work and I could think, oh, God, I hope someone really gets me. <laughs> oh, and I, can, I relate to that really yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah. And in this club situation, you could just, I mean, sometimes I was also at the door or something. I could just really, you know, I could really let out. I could really vent my um, issues on these people. And um, I mean, not, not, not in a physically violent sort of way, but more in a sort of, you know, conversation or, or just not letting them in. Or I don't know if they were, I don't know. But um, yeah, or if there's the bar between you to protect you, <laughs> then oh. I could um, just, you know have like verbal discussions with people but um yeah but so, so i could really advise i could i tried to take this advice from this, this friend to, to heart and and because like lois said it's probably actually not personal i think some people literally go to restaurants just to be mean to waiters and waitresses probably. i think some people it's just a very stupid go somewhere idea, to be nasty it's a people. very bad idea because if you're bad if you're unkind to service they will put things in your food that you they will. wouldn't normally want to eat i've seen yeah. it many times in all the service jobs i've been i Me never too. did it i'll admit that one day when i was working the night trains in the sleeping carriage i had a real real he was such a yeah God, he was he would treated all service people like um subhumans anyway what he did was the point was i dropped his breakfast roll on the floor in the dirty train <laughs> You just put it back on there, didn't you? <laughs> and I just put it back on the train. I didn't give him a new one. Oh, no. And everyone knows what train floors are like. <laughs> oh god! But I, I had, never like I. I had colleagues sorry, who did yeah, much go. worse things, which I won't say now, but they were way worse. But like I, I was, I'm, I've never gone like that. But I, I'm, I'm very passive aggressive with my, with my, um, with my uh, revenges. What I did used to do when I worked in the cinema was, if somebody was, and I, because here's the thing. People come and they're stressed and the person they let it out on is the person sitting on the till selling the tickets. That is the person they will let it out on. Mm. And then they go, once they've been nasty to you, they go and then they're really nice to the concession stand people and tip them and everything. But I sit there and I have to take all their bullshit. So what I would do is if somebody was rude to me, I would sit them somewhere really crap and i would yeah, like or i, I would make make couples like split up so like sit in different <laughs> places even though it wasn't actually necessary they could have sat together but i'd make one sit on one of those fold-out chairs that's really uncomfortable and the mm. other one sitting in the front row 
or I would make sure that they're sitting like I would sit like a huge group of people who I knew was going to be really loud during the film I would sit them behind them like I'd remember where I put them and then I'd sit like really obnoxious people who I knew for a fact were going to be difficult during the film because like same. sometimes you'd have people and, and you just knew that they were going to take out their phone and start filming the film like some people did that all the time and you always knew who was going to do it so I would sit that kind of person in front of them so that they were annoyed or somebody who I knew was going to take out their phone and start telephoning during the film. Those are the people that I would then sit near them so they so that they had the least fun they could possibly have during the film. Yeah, I did that I feel too. Like I'm like, too. Yeah, I feel like I'm too <laughs> averse to conflict to do that kind of thing. But uh, one, one event springs to mind where I literally said to my colleague, because I just was having a bad day or bad week or something, I just said to her, please let someone start some shit today because I need to like, I need to get this aggression out somehow. And you never should say anything like that because I'm not superstitious or religious, but the, the universe just has a way of hearing you when you say stuff like that. And so what happened? A, few, a few hours later, um, I think it was one girl and a few guy friends showed up with pupils just the size of dinner plates like they were I don't know what they were on but oh, they, no. they were on something and I think they had some minor complaints as they always do with some you know some drink not coming early enough or something but instead of you know being able to be talked down anything they just went ballistic I mean the, the, the girl went ballistic she just like she spat food at me she just <gasps> oh, uh my God. didn't want to pay her bill just a, a, a huge just scene and uh I don't know as I said I don't really like conflict ever but in that setting just just smiling at her and just like taking all that that negative energy and just not having it have any effect on me and showing that to her and her getting more and more angry and me just standing there smiling and just that was wonderful like that, that that's one of the few experiences that you know I think we all have that highlight reel when we're kind of or low light reel when we go to sleep and we remember every single bad customer we've ever had oh and, god yeah uh, but that's one of the few ones where i just feel kind of vindicated a little bit or relieved i'm like impressed by your like i just I, if someone spat food at me like yeah, i couldn't say chill no, i don't know like i'm just that like, sounds oh pretty my, jedi to just i'm like know. what what are you <laughs> no i mean I, I told her that she had to leave you know and pay and just the i don't know maybe if it was some if the dynamic was different that would got more aggressive but there was just something in that interaction where she just got more and more angry and there was nothing she could do to she wanted a reaction out of me she wanted me to do something say something so she could say you know I assaulted her or I did something bad that she could go to my manager with or something but I just didn't didn't give her anything so that frustration I think was that is actually probably yeah I mean doing that probably gives you more satisfaction in the long run than the short oh, yeah, term definitely. satisfaction of actually reacting yeah. i think I, I really get that of being calm in those situations usually infuriates people much more <laughs> and in my much, experience yeah, yeah is a much greater punishment 
for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I really get that. One thing that just before I forget it, because like it's been popping up in my head that I wanted to circle back to this, but I just, it, it, we, 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 I just really was loving this conversation. <laughs> so I didn't, um, you said about deadlines and that you actually like deadlines and actually um, you're absolutely right. And I realized, and I only just realized that I do this when you were saying those things, I just came to a realization about myself is that one of my, one of my coping mechanisms to deal with my problem of, needing a deadline otherwise I don't do something is uh, at work I had this issue that people would sort of send me stuff and say okay I need you to do this but they gave me no deadline it was like and I was and so eventually I had to become I had to and and this was like a massive issue because like they would send me stuff and they'd say it needs to be done and I'd forget about it because I didn't have a deadline so I was like okay I'll get it done at some point but then other things would come in and then I would and I would forget about it so in the end, what um, me and my manager wound up doing was we we started to have to be very clear with people that they need to give me a deadline. Like if they want, I'm happy to do whatever they want me to do, but they have to come to me with a deadline from the very get-go. Otherwise it's just not going to get done. And eventually we managed to sort of hammer it into people's brains that that has to happen. And they did start doing that. And then it did change everything completely for me. Like um, I was way more efficient then because of the deadlines for sure. So you're absolutely right. They... they they can be, they can sort of save you. And I, I noticed that that's actually something I used to actually be more productive was to get people to give me these deadlines. Speaking of deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> I did um, that just for you, Hector, so you could nail the segue. Yeah, it, was, it was, it was, it was, it was perfect, Lois. And, and it would have been so much more smooth if you hadn't said that just now. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, this, I was but now just... it's, but this made it cute. So that's also good, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah, speaking of deadlines, I, th- I think we're coming up to the, the deadline of the end of this of this uh, of this episode. Um, so, um, Jacob, if there's something that you um, need to get off your chest that needs to be speak said, now, forever hold your peace. <laughs> okay, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> um, I would say, if you if you have any, I mean you you've hopefully listened to this, what we've been talking about. And if you feel yourself kind of represented in, in what we were talking about, you feel, you've heard some of these things I was talking about that, that I experience with, with ADHD or that uh, where we found common ground, just do some, do some reading on it. Just find out what it's, what it's about, what ADHD is, what it isn't. And if you really, if it really resonates with you and you think, yeah, this might be me. Uh, just go to your, uh, well, it could be your general practitioner, it could be your say, psychotherapist, uh, if you have one. Just get a referral to to a psychiatrist or seek them out yourself and check it out. Because I know I have been dealing with this for, I mean, ever, as long as I can remember. And I wish I would have known a lot earlier because as soon as you do know, there's so much you can do. Mm. Uh, I mean, just in terms of the skills you can try to acquire and even just knowing about it helps you kind of beat your own brain when you get into these weird habits and, and behaviors. So if if you have any kind of uh, suspicion that, that you might have this, just, you know, just inform yourself just read up on it and even if you know you think ah i don't know i don't don't think i qualify i can virtually guarantee you that the the strategies that people with adhd 
use to kind of stay on top will help anyone <laughs> i mean it's it's some basic productivity stuff but also just like yeah just methods of staying on top of things and kind of keeping on going without any motivation being there to to do so so i think this is stuff that anyone can benefit from and if you have a suspicion that you or someone you know might uh, fall into this category like just talk to them or check it out yourself because as soon as you know you can just start your journey to to try and figure it out thank definitely. you definitely i i agree with that 100 um thank you so much jacob for coming on coming on this um episode um also uh maybe if you want you can um tell the listeners um you have an instagram page about adhd um maybe you could uh tell us your your handle um and now and then they can they can check out we'll also be posting it in the uh in the episode um in the promo of the right. episode um so what what is your 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 handle on on, on instagram so if, if if any listeners want to if it's okay for you if they, they want to dm yeah, you yeah definitely questions i mean then, um, then you can now's the time tell me your handle and um right i mean basically if anyone just wants to, you know, reach out with questions or even answers, if you've some of this figured out and I don't, please <laughs> let me know. Basically, just for any conversation, you can uh, hit me up, as the kids say on Instagram. Um, my handle is uh, at not so dopamine. Uh, it's a new account. I don't post there very often, but that would be really cool if if uh, some people that deal with ADHD want to reach out just talk about it vent whatever i think that would be really cool yeah great um like again thanks so much for coming i really enjoyed this uh, this conversation it really gave me a lot of insight not only into adhd but also into my own <laughs> into my into things that i, I, <laughs> I do and um yeah i mean as always um if you haven't already um give us a follow on instagram on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Did I forget Next. anything, Lois? Next. No. Net. Yes, you did. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. God, my focus, Lois. Okay. Focus. Next week, we're going to be talking about birthdays because mine and Hector's birthdays are both coming up. And um, I feel like I have a lot of anxiety around my birthday. Hector doesn't seem to have as much, but we're going to figure different. out if that's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> not I feel like I'm going to get it out of him next yeah, week yeah, i think so too yeah. <laughs> i mean we're gonna be recording after my birthday we're gonna be, yeah we'll be recording after your birthday because your birthday's in the middle of the week and my birthday's like at the beginning of the week after but as our birthdays fall quite you know in close uh procession procession is that the right word yeah we know it sounds fantasy i'm just gonna say procession they fall um they, they they're so close together so we might as well just talk about both our birthdays um because i'll probably be already have anxiety about my birthday coming up next week so um yeah that's what we're gonna do a birthday special that is the plan so tune in and uh, yeah we'll uh, you'll hear us then <laughs>